Reintroducing the Iced Apple Crisp Oat Milk Macchiato from Starbucks. Now with Starbucks Blonde Espresso and Oat Milk, layered with flavors of apple, cinnamon, and brown sugar, and topped with a spiced apple drizzle. Welcome back, fall. Order today with the Starbucks app. You're listening to The Big Bark, the podcast for dog lovers, brought to you by backinmad.ie. I'm your host, Darber, and together with my two amazing canine co-hosts, Bruno and Millie, I bring you the latest news from the canine world. Each episode, we chat to people working in the canine industry, such as pet shop owners, groomers, behavior specialists, and vets. We also chat with dog owners to find out more but what it is that makes a dog man's best friend. Today's show is part two of a special series of Dog Tests in Ireland. We'll be chatting with our panel, which includes Samantha Rawson from the Canine College Dog Training School. I'm also joined on the panel by Dr. Sharon Alston, who's working closely with TD James Brown and bringing forth a proposal to introduce an offence called Kepler the Companion Animal. We're going to be looking at the different legislations that are in place at the moment to protect animals and what needs to be done to reform them. And in particular, to enforce stricter penalties on the criminals responsible for these dog tests. We'll be looking at the legislation in other countries also and take a look in particular at the Animal Protection Index, which rates different countries based on their own legislation and we'll look at why Ireland is not on the index. Finally, we'll be looking at how you can keep your pets safe and prevent the heartache of losing your beloved companion to opportunist thieves, as well as what to watch out for. All this and more to come on today's episode of The Big Bark. Welcome everyone to the Big Bark and thanks to our panel for joining us today. So we're chatting today about the recent increase in dog tests in Ireland over the last few months and we'll be talking, take a look at the need for legislation reform to ensure stricter penalties on the criminals who are responsible for these dog tests. We'll also be taking a look at legislation in other countries and take a look in particular at the Animal Protection Index which rates different countries based on their own legislation. We'll be looking at how you can keep your pets safe and prevent the heartache of losing your beloved companion to these thieves, as well as what to watch out for. To do this, we'd like to be joined by our panel of guests. I'm thrilled to be joined by Samantha Rawson from the Canaan College Dog Training School. Hi, Dara. Hi, Samantha. We're joined on the panel also by Sharon Alston, who's working closely with TD James Brown on bringing forth a proposal to introduce an offence called the theft of the companion animal. Welcome to Hello. the show, Sharon. Hello, nice to be here. Um, we're also joined by Kelly Anderson. Uh, we're hoping that we have another dog on joining us a bit later on, uh, Christoph, who will also be offering their own advice as well as giving their reaction to what's been going on. And hopefully we get to meet our dogs also. And then later on, we're going to be looking at some of the dogs who have gone missing over the last few months, suspected of being stolen. Everyone, welcome to the show. It's great to have you all uh, here, and thanks for taking the time to speak to the Big Bark today. 
So, okay, I want to start off the show first of all by chatting with Samantha here for a moment. Samantha, as a dog trainer, is there anything that dog owners can be doing to protect their dogs in a training aspect? And how can dog owners get the balance right, I suppose, with their dogs by training them to be vigilant without being fearful or aggressive towards strange people? Okay, the, the, <clears throat> I suppose the first thing I would say, Dara, in the current context of, of dogs being stolen is to keep your dogs away from the front of your house or where it is visible to passers-by. Um, not only from a security point of view for the dog, but from a behaviour point of view, an awful lot of dogs think they are allowed to bark and guard and bark at passers-by and make a general nuisance of themselves. And the dog only behaves this way because the owner lets it sit at the front window or lets it sit in the hall and run to the hall door when the doorbell goes. So, so keeping the dog to the back of the house cuts down on an awful lot of behavior problems, but also it doesn't advertise, advertise your dog to passers-by. So, so it's really important on, on loads of levels, but especially in, in today's climate where dogs are being stolen. So if you advertise your dog by letting it sit in the front window, it quite literally is how much is that doggy in the window. Very good points. And to be honest, it's well known that dogs, uh, and it has been scientifically proven over the last few years, that dogs are able to tell a bad person. And one study report uh, in 2015 by the Neuroscience and Biobehavioral Reviews states that dogs uh, clearly read the communication between their owners and strangers. So they tend to avoid the people who they feel have mistreated their owners as well. Well... I, I suppose my instinct would say that if a dog doesn't trust somebody, neither would I. Um, if somebody walks into your house and the dog reacts badly to them, I would take the dog's instinct because I think animals are incredibly intuitive. Um, and no matter what we know about the person or what our, our preconceptions are about the person, if a dog doesn't like them, I agree with the dog. I don't care who they are. They could be the Pope. If the dog doesn't like the Pope, I don't like the Pope. <laughs> I think that's I think that's fair to say from from all of us. So you think a dog can sense a dangerous person? Well, I think I think they can pick up on vibes. You know, like like dogs can tell when there's a thunderstorm. You know, there are now medical detection dogs that they can sniff out cancers. So I think dogs are are much more in tune with their their natural instincts than we are. I think we as a a human domesticated human species, we've lost all our natural. Sorry. Um, so, so I think a dog is much more in tune with their their natural behaviour and and their survival mechanism. Um, so, if a dog sees something as a threat, I, I would always listen to it. Completely agree. And to be honest, I think I'd be the same myself. I can always kind of pick up like if my own dogs don't like a person, especially uh, Millie, who literally likes everyone, and she doesn't like someone or something wrong. So, it's um, yeah. it, it, it's definitely I suppose like if your dog doesn't like someone, it's definitely a sign yeah. that they shouldn't be trusted. And I think there's an unnatural um, requirement nowadays, uh, a very unnatural pressure put on dogs to like people and to like everybody. And this term socialization is bandied around and often misused and, and in inappropriate situations. So it's quite natural for a dog not to like some people and not to like other dogs. We as human beings don't like every person we meet. Um, and one of the shock for me as a dog trainer was the first time I met a dog I didn't like. I was quite shocked because I thought I loved every dog. Um, but but there are some dogs I don't like either. So why is there this unnecessary pressure for our, our dogs to be happy with everybody and happy in every situation and happy with life? 
mean, that's unnatural. You know, life is full of of emotional ups and downs and, and animals are the same. That we it's impossible for us all to be happy all the time. But I think that's what society seems to expect dogs to be. Absolutely. Uh, some very good uh, points there. Samantha, thanks for that. Uh, Sharon, I'm going to come to you next and we're going to touch a bit maybe on the animal welfare legislation that exists. We had a chat about this a while ago and it's clearly not enough. And I know that you have been working on a few things and chatting <laughs> with TV James Brown, who's proposing a new offence called Theft of the Companion Animal. Would you tell us a bit more about uh, your work with uh, James and what you've been doing? Well, um, as I said, I discussed you. I mean, James Brown is the TD that's actually pushing this. Um, I'm speaking to him tomorrow about the best way uh, that we can actually pull together to support this. Um, there are, you know, animal welfare groups. There are lost and found groups. There are groups all over um, Ireland and all over the world that jumping up and down saying, you know, why are our pets not considered in the same light um, as we consider them? Why are pets still viewed as um, it, it, as typical in you know legal history? Your pet or your animals were actually just your property, and therefore there was no sentient being um, attached to that. It was somebody steals your mobile phone. You know, naughty boy, you've stolen a phone. Have a fine. Somebody steals your dog. Same thing. This is where it's very hard for anything legally <clears throat> to be enforced against people because they're stealing something with a property value rather than an understanding of the emotional um, impact of that. Uh, and it lies somewhere between, you know, property and kidnapping. And it's a very hard because there isn't, I mean, in, in the US, there are some states where it's in the penal code is kidnapping. If you take somebody's dog, it's like kidnapping from them. And, you know, that sounds quite extreme, but to some people, their animals are the only thing they've got, you know, and people joke and say, you know, oh, it's my baby. But, you know, I, I know people that, that their lives are completely evolved around their animals. You know, old people with their just the little company dog, you know, assistance dogs and just people that, that their animals are that other member of their family or the only other member of their family. And to just say it's like having, you know, a plant nicked out of your garden or the phone taken out of your pocket isn't anywhere near enough, isn't a deterrent and, you know, has to be changed. It's it's just so out, outdated and it, it relates back to where animals were thought of largely as herd animals that were property from farmers, etc. The whole movement of pets, companion animals, the, the value of that in people's homes has kind of not come along with the law. Yeah, and I think it's also as well, even the laws that are there, they're not being enforced. So the animal welfare legislation, Samantha, I know we touched on this a small bit as well, uh, since we just lost Kelly uh, there. Hopefully she'll be able to reconnect back. Uh, but we touched on this already, and like the laws, they're not being enforced. And No, no I, I think we can talk about laws till the cows come home or the dogs come home, literally. But there's no point in talking about laws unless they're enforced. And, and the big problem in Ireland across all legislation is lack of enforcement. Um, and I think Ireland um, are, are, you know, we are, are considered a lovely country to come and live in by foreigners because of our laid back approach. But it's our laid back approach that gets us into the mess we're in now with dog theft. 
because legislation isn't enforced. So, you know, it, it's it's great that Dr. Sharon is talking about legislation and, and the TD James Brown is talking about legislation. That's great. But who's going to enforce it? Um, I think, as I say, I, I, I've got so much to, to talk about. I was trying to break it into little snippets. I think the key issue is the same everywhere, that enforcement is always the issue. Um, even where laws are stronger as a deterrent, unless you back that up with, um, you know, the, the man hours to actually make sure that, you know, the, the, uh, the, the people are picked up and, and uh, held to task over their actions, then no, the, the laws are pointless and futile. Um, there's a huge amount of loopholes across the whole system, whether it's identify, identification of animals, sale, regulated sale of animals, um, animal registration. There's so many holes that it makes prosecutions really harder. So alongside change in the legal system, there needs to be change in all this, the processes that run alongside that. You know, all the rescue centres need to get on board with accurate reporting because dogs are being lost, straying, going into rescue centres, being scanned and getting no response on the chip database because the dog isn't on that chip database. So we're working on a system that links up all the chip databases, um, initially UK and Ireland, it will be all the chip databases in Europe. Um, we will be handing out um, to all the key authorities, we're gonna be handing out scanners that link directly to that system. So animals can be scanned, whether they be in the vets, whether they be in the ports, whether they be with the dog warden, wherever, and it'll instantly show if that animal has been reported missing. Um, so again, alongside that, we're trying to bring in, um, whereas the site's advertising, and we know that there's large gangs involved in stealing, um, you know, sadly, you know, uh, people's pets and, and selling them on as, you know, it's a, I think it's a, a low risk, high gain um, crime. And, uh, you know, there are, there are sort of things in place. There are a large scale actions trying to track down the, the big guys, but there's also huge amounts of opportunistic theft happening um, that can easily be picked up by tightening up all um, the processes, more checks at the port, more checks at rescue centres, vets, guard, uh, you know, uh, dog wardens, etc. But that'll only work if that info is um, channeled through a central um, hub to make sure that everything links up. And so we've got that being developed at the moment um, and it should be available fairly soon and it is done on a charitable basis. So it's not something people have to pay for. It's something that we're putting out just as a vet. I'm just desperate to get something happening that, that helps get people's pets back to them um, and, and prevents all the heartbreak of, you know, either a dog being stolen um, and passed on and ending up in, in a new home. And after the five day law, they can't reclaim the dog or, you know, it's, it's ended up in a rescue center and it hasn't shown up. Therefore, it's been rehomed and the dog can't go back to its original owner. There's too many loopholes. If we can tighten all that up and we can change the law, then there's a much better chance of things being enforced. Reintroducing the Iced Apple Crisp Oat Milk Macchiato from Starbucks. Now with Starbucks Blonde Espresso and Oat Milk, layered with flavors of apple, cinnamon and brown sugar, and topped with a spiced apple drizzle. Welcome back, Fall. Order today with the Starbucks app. Yeah, that, that, that sounds very promising. And, and you know, I, I wish you the best of luck with it. But 
I don't know, I'm a bit of a cynic when it comes to legislation in Ireland. I don't believe as a country that we're animal lovers. I don't think we value them enough um, and that they're way down in, in the in the pecking order of priorities. Um, so so I would follow this very, very closely and 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 really just wish you the best of luck. But but I have my doubts. Yeah, and understandably, it's not going to be an easy um, achieve, you know, thing to achieve. I mean, uh, funnily enough, if you look at, uh, you know, animal welfare, you know, uh, gradings across Europe, um, you know, UK comes up with a grade A and yet they have the same issue there. And it's it's again, animals historically being something that were property, the law not being forward, the UK just tried to push for a, a hugely supported change to legislation and it didn't happen. And yet, you know, their, their uh, you know, the support over there was huge. But again, the perception needs to change. And it is the perception in the legal system and certainly the older, you know, um, echelon of, of the legal system who still think that, you know, uh, animals are only relative to farming and uh, anything else in between. I mean, I found that, you know, as a vet, um, there's certainly in the cities in, in Ireland, pets are very much pets, but certainly in that rural culture over here in UK, very similar, animals have a different value. And we need to make sure that the, you know, the legal system and the, the, the structure there recognises the value is very different when we're talking about companion animals as, as pets um, and, and as part of your home. And, and do you think there's a correlation, um, Sharon, between the whole puppy farming, you know, um, crisis in Ireland and obviously in the UK, but much worse here, um, between that and now dog theft? Because does dogs suddenly have a value that when I was a child, they didn't have. They were valued as a family pet, but they didn't have a monetary value. Um, yeah, I think, I think with with progress of society, we've kind of gone backwards with animal welfare. I think it would be lovely to see where dogs don't actually have a monetary value, that they're valued as a family member and as a pet. But if they lost their monetary value, perhaps this the theft would go down and the whole puppy breeding business would go down. I think, I mean, that's an option that's certainly being considered on other levels. If you actually take away the ability to um, breed and sell animals at a value, then um, uh, the whole animal system becomes um, like an adoption system. It's incredibly hard uh, as a as a huge system to approach, but it would have huge benefits, obviously. Um, I think the issue that's been, A, theft doubled last year over the previous year in dog thefts, this year, there's been reports out in the papers saying it hasn't increased. I'm like, I think I'm on enough pages to say I'd be very surprised if that wasn't the accurate data. Um, it has certainly been a recent spate because the demand stupidly, madly through COVID has gone through the roof and you can't supply puppies on demand. You know, a bitch only comes into season every six months and you never know what you're going to get. Um, so They've had to resort to going out, stealing puppies, stealing bitches, stealing any pet they can get their hands off to try and breed from them. And these animals are being sold for £2,000, £3,000 sterling in the UK. Even in Ireland, there's stupid price tags on animals, um, on, you know, dogs that you'd normally pay, you know, maybe sort of eight or £900 are being sold for 3000 because there's been suddenly a surge in demand because of people at home, because of people suddenly realising... Sorry? Oh, sorry, I thought I heard someone. Um, but we know that will then 
conversely that will flip back as a as a huge amount of increased dumping of animals as the cycle turns around and therefore again accountability traceability of these animals um, becomes essential because if everybody wants them now and they're going to be dumping them over the next six months a year or even sooner having a system that that, that gives them traceability that gives them accountability means that we can follow up those people and make sure that even if it's just they get a, a rap on the knuckles and I'm sorry, you're not allowed to keep another dog for five years, at least something's being done to try and dissuade this, uh, this, this wave of we're a bit bored now, we're stuck at home, we're going to get a pet. You know, we need to, we need to change the whole, there's so much that needs to be changed and addressed. It, you know, it's not going to happen overnight, but you know, there is an awful lot to do. Ladies, thanks very much for um, for that input there, uh, very valuable input from both you there. And uh, Kelly, I hope your connection is uh, working there. I just want to come to you next, and I want to kind of bring this to everyone, really. We're seeing, especially on Facebook groups... And I think a huge problem is, though, uh, from what I understand... Okay, it seems like... Uh... Kelly, your mic is kind of giving some feedback there. We'll come back to you in a few moments here, hopefully, on this. Uh, sorry. Mm -hmm. um, but, okay, so I kind of want to, like, actually, Sharon, before we move on, I want to just discuss uh, there. You mentioned about the figures and uh, in the press in the last few days, they haven't been increasing. But going back on a statement I actually received last week from the guy at the press office, they're saying in the first six months of 2020, there has only been three additional incidents. So they recorded 38 incidents of dog death in 2019 in the first six months and 41 in the first six months of this year. And, like, i got to say, those figures, they, like, based on what we're seeing online and what we're seeing on all the social media groups is a pile of crap. Like, there's no way that those figures can actually be accurate. Again, I think it's really difficult because due to uh, everybody's heightened uh, reactivity at the moment, um, there is definitely a huge amount of um, maybe over-reporting, double-reporting. The hype grows with the more people jump up and down and, you know, uh, shout about every house that's had a cable tie on it or a white dot on its wall and, and everybody, you know, the reporting and the awareness through the media and very much through social media has meant that uh, I'd say the social media perception of it is higher than it is. But I'd say uh, the, what we're being told, you know, officially is potentially lower than it is. I'm not saying they're not reporting it, but I'm saying there are definitely there. There are pets that I've dealt with that that have disappeared in one area, turned up a long way away, and they have just been marked down as oh the dog strayed and it ended up you know three counties away in a rescue, wandering around in the streets. Well, you know a little old dog hasn't made that journey, so but they'll be marked down as that dog, you know, was lost and found. The dog wasn't uh, potentially stolen. Um, so I, I don't know. I've got meetings coming up with, with more um, groups, more working groups involved with the authorities. And I want to try and ascertain more information from that about, is it a reporting thing or is it actually the physical number? So, yeah, I think that's a, that's a, a, a tricky one to answer without having that answer at the moment and i don't have that yet because we haven't had those working group meetings 
Okay, I just want to make a comment from one of our listeners there, uh, someone watching on Facebook there. For anyone who's actually watching on Facebook or YouTube, pop a comment on the underneath the stream in the comment section, and we'll be happy to take a look at your comments. Uh, Jackie Finnegan, uh, watching us live on Facebook, has said we need a whole overhaul of the welfare system. Our laws are outdated. Our animals are pets. Dog theft should be looked at as a crime. And we need to lobby our government and the lawmakers, which Sharon is what uh, what you're trying to do as well. And like, let's see what else Jack says here. Uh, we pay to get our dogs license. We need guards and warrants to do more checks. They were in my town yesterday evening, marking warrants and gates. I'm assuming she means there that uh, the people stealing dogs were in her town. But that goes back to what you've been saying, Sharon. That like. Hopefully, like with these uh, proposals that you're that you're working on now, hopefully that we will see a change in the law. Reintroducing the iced apple crisp oat milk macchiato from Starbucks. Now with Starbucks blonde espresso and oat milk, layered with flavors of apple, cinnamon, and brown sugar, and topped with a spiced apple drizzle. Welcome back, fall. Order today with the Starbucks app. For the love of fall, Starbucks pumpkin spice lattes and pumpkin cream cold brews are back. Smooth espresso dashed with pumpkin pie spice and velvety whipped cream. Or cold brew topped with pumpkin cream cold foam fit for the season. Your pumpkin awaits. Order today in the Starbucks app. Uh, Kelly, uh, how is your mic working now? Can you hear us? I'm so sorry. Can you hear me okay now? Yeah, I can hear you now. Okay, perfect. Great. Uh, Kelly, I just want to ask you very quickly there. Um, now, we've all seen online uh, in the My Dog Facebook group, the Irish Lost and Stolen Dog group, and other groups that are online as well. There is a huge sense of fear and anxiety there right now. And I think everyone will agree with this, that there's also a huge sense of anger. Is that what you're seeing from the Facebook groups as well? <clears throat> Mm-hmm. Kelly, can you hear us? Very much so. Um, it, in my opinion, anyway, it appears that, uh, and it's, it might sound extreme, but truthful. Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, perfect. And um, tech issues are a, a huge issue. You okay. not hear me at all. Uh, you're kind of break up, Kelly. We might come back to you a bit later on. Can you hear me? I think we'll come back to Kelly a bit later on. She's having some mic issues. I'd say it could be the connection. Um, so I'm just going to keep uh, Kelly's mic muted for a small world. Like I said, anyone who's listening or watching online can comment on Facebook and YouTube. And we'll be happy to take a look at our comments. But Samantha, Sharon, coming to you as well for for the time being. Uh, would you agree with the sentiment that there is a lot of fear, there's a lot of anger and a lot of anxiety? And a lot of it... It's all heightened because of all the posts that people are seeing online on Facebook on the various groups as well. Um, yeah, I had a, a chat with a, another kind of local politician here in Kilkenny, and he brought up the point of um, social media and the role social media has to play in this because we now kind of post everything about our lives. So no sooner does somebody get their little pooch or their little their their new little companion that they post it on Facebook. And instantly they have advertised that this this beautiful animal is in their lives and on their Facebook page. So social media has, you know, a good good and bad points to, to bring to every situation. But I suppose an awareness of when you advertise things, 
you're, you don't know who can see it. Do you know what I mean? That you've got to think that's a little bit like children and that you don't post pictures of other people's dogs without their permission. Um, and that you don't post pictures of your own dogs and you certainly don't post your location, um, which people tend to do. But but the thing that kind of bothers me is the general public's role in all of this in that anything only has a market value if somebody's prepared to pay for it. So these dogs that have been stolen, they're obviously been stolen for a preordained market. They're lit literally been, you know, stole to order, if you like. So there's got to be some kind of public responsibility in that the public are providing a market for these stolen dogs and also by paying extortionate amounts of money to you know irreputable breeders and puppy farmers and crossbreeds you know back in the day they were mongrels now that now they're designer dogs um you know if, if you pay ridiculous amounts of money for these animals then there's got to be some self responsibility about putting a market value on on a dog that that really you know, unless it's a pedigree dog and it's in, in the show ring and it has pedigree papers to prove its ancestry, really, you know, what value, what is the value of these animals? So I would question what the public's role is in, in this horrible um, dog theft situation at the moment. I, I, I mean, I definitely would uh, second that and agree. One of the things we've been discussing with some groups in the UK is, um, and we know that trafficking is going both ways. Obviously, dogs are stolen and turn up in Ireland. Dogs are stolen and turn up in the UK. UK dogs are stolen and turn up over here. So it, it's it's very much a mix mash. And trying to get a uh, sort of a public PR perception um, out there is isn't straightforward lots of groups are doing it lots of groups are posting advice um about you know a lookout uh when you're buying an animal make sure you check out the details make out you know make sure you check microchips are legal the dog can't be sold without a chip get the chip check chip checked etc but again because there's two issues there there's there's public um as you say you know don't do it on facebook but we do know that they've got drones going around finding dogs in gardens even if you put them in the back garden and everything you know there are the you know there's guys climbing over walls down back alleys into gardens and getting dogs so you know we do know that they're pretty clever at finding your animals um but don't broadcast it but on the side of, of um, digital media digital media allows for these dogs to be advertised somewhere a long way away from where they are even before they even get to that area and if you get a buyer in that area you know you, you ship this new spaniel over there or whatever if if we can very quickly bring in this traceability um and put pressure uh, that uh, you know that the public perception is that if you're buying a dog and you're going to spend two three grand to two three hundred quid check it's shit because unless you've checked it's verified to that person once that dog is found it'll be taken away from you it's not people just jumping in with their heart and paying a lot of money if they know that they could actually a lose that animal and b lose that money you know a few weeks later if the dog turns out to be stolen but that message isn't getting across yet i'm lucky because i um, i run a, a festival and i've got a lot of contacts we've got a big pr campaign about to go out and we certainly we're going to push that out across ireland and we have other people looking at how to get that message out into the public as widespread as possible and the trouble is it isn't always the people on social media you know that, that will necessarily buy these animals so it needs to be a campaign aimed at 
you know, tell your granny, tell your uncle, you know, if you do, if you do want to go and get a dog, let me help you. Let me help you check that animal out before you buy it. Because people are, you know, people are being ripped off for stolen dogs. And the trouble, while there's no traceability, there's no retribution. But when the traceability comes in, these people will lose their animals. So. Okay. And and how can then someone like me, um, Sharon, help you in, in this campaign? You know, there are lots of canine professionals out there, dog groomers, people like me, dog boarding establishments. You know, I, I think anybody who's professionally involved with dogs would love to get involved with this. Absolutely. And and the more people that pull together, you know, the better we are. Um, I'm waiting, as I said, I've got a, uh, having a chat with James Brown tomorrow and the legal team are going to look at A, the way that we're wording um, our, our official petition about changing the law um, and B, how we actually just, just to check everything over for it to go out publicly. Um, and then obviously we want everyone to pull together because once they identify, you know, once we can get everything identified, oh, alongside what we're doing, we're looking to do a, a chip amnesty rollout where we will be getting, uh, for those people who aren't chipped or those people whose chips aren't registered, um, you know, we're looking at, at ways to, to change that, even if it's for a period of time, a short period of time in a crisis, to get registrations on the system, to get people chipped in, in, on a charitable basis, so that we actually do get far more traceability for all the animals, not just, you know, the few people that do get them chipped or keep all their details up to date. And then everybody else comes into play. If people are scanning animals, whether it's the dog warden, whether it's a groomer, you know, anyone, um, if the dog's animal details come up unregistered, you know, then then it's just a little nudge. You know, you've bought that puppy. It's registered to the breeder still. You know, there, there's so much awareness and, and information that needs to go out into the public. I've been I've not been surprised because as a vet, I see it all the time. But I'm still amazed by the public's perception. And I spoke to a guy the other day and I said, you know, have you have you tried putting his, his chip into other tracing um, searches? And he said, oh, it doesn't matter. I've reported it to my chip company and he's reported stolen. He's going to show up anywhere he's scanned or stolen. And I'm like, sadly, he's not because it's not all linked up. Um, and, uh, you know, that if, if people are aware of the flaws of the system and then people will pull together to start patching these holes in the system. So what we want to do is, is before we make the big PR campaign to make people aware and just shout from the treetops, all these things are wrong and scaremonger people, we want to go, right, all these things are issues, but this is what we propose to resolve that, to provide a solution for that. Um, and that way, I think we actually, rather than creating a hype that creates panic and worry, we create awareness that then directs everybody's passion in this heightened time into getting behind force for change. Great. And and what do you think then the penalty would be if somebody was convicted or found guilty of dog theft or dog napping? What what kind of penalty are, are is being proposed? Uh, uh, at the moment, as I say, I want to wait until we've had the legal discussions. Uh, if we go in, if we go in with a with a pipe dream, it won't happen. We have to make sure that what we are aiming for is realistic, and okay. also enforceable. Um, I mean, long term, with this new charity we're setting up, one of our key initial aims was to actually put more wardens out there, um, because there isn't enough people on the ground, there isn't enough checking of animals, there isn't enough checking of welfare issues, let alone checking microchips on on you know lost or found animals. So. There is a, a big gap there and, and there isn't money in the system to, to fill that gap. But 
in our long-term plan of opening some some new centres, we will have more wardens working through from the charity alongside ISPCA inspectors and alongside um, the, the the dog wardens to make everyone's life easier and to try and fill some of the holes. That's not going to happen overnight. But you know you have to take this in stages, and you have to make sure that you uh, you know put everything in place that that one step leads into the next step and you don't just go running oh i want to fix the whole world in one go it's not going to happen but okay accountability until we've got the legal you know uh, confirmation of what's realistic there are maximum sentences but there's very little on the minimum and the minimum is always seems to be what's applied so i think that's where the concentration needs to be okay okay Amazon Business Honors Jill Lau, Chief Procurement Officer of Global Network Bank. Last week, Jill saved big and used Amazon Business to help her team buy 327 headsets. Now Bob can keep his conversations to himself. Wait, am I still on speakerphone? With business buying easier than before, Jill now uses her extra time to focus on growing something big. Buy smarter, dream bigger. Visit Amazon Business, your partner for smart business buying. Hang it up, Bob. Get in zone, AutoZone. Welcome to AutoZone. Ah, thinking about gas mileage? If your check engine light is on, it may be affecting your MPGs. But the free AutoZone Fix Finder service can help. With the most complete free warning light report backed by technician verified fixes, you'll know what's affecting your gas mileage and more. And you don't have to drive too far to find the fix. The free AutoZone Fix Finder service is available at all 6200 stores. Get in zone, See details at AutoZone.com. Uh, Dara, you're going to be muted. <laughs> No, you're muted. Oh my God, sorry, sorry about that. Uh, okay, I think I muted myself there because like it, this is actually the first podcast I've done out. Like I think we've done thirteen or fourteen so far, and it's the first time I haven't actually talked so much. So key to the key to this one. Well, look, what I want to have a look at here is the uh, animal protection index, which I'm just going to bring up on screen just here now. And what I find very interesting about this here is that if you see it here i have my screen shared here to the to the right and what you'll notice is that ireland itself does not actually take part in the animal uh protection index like we're we're not graded we're not rated at all which is like for a, what we're meant to be a first world country and we're meant to be a country that loves animals is it not quite strange that like we're not rated or we have no rating at all like when you look at other countries here like you look at austria you look at New Zealand, you look at Switzerland. Now, I don't know if these ratings are actually up to date right now, but United Kingdom, like, they're all A and B ratings. And, like, Germany, for example, protects animals. Uh, they actually amended our constitution in 2002 to uh, give animals, like, protection uh, by the state. And Austria consider animals to have the same, uh, I suppose, same rights as uh as humans like the same value of life as humans so why is it why is it like that we can do better in ireland uh, apart from like what you said there yourself sean the different changes that need to be made in regulations but like how far are we away from being the likes of the uk or the likes of austria or the likes of germany 
how far away are we from being where they are? Well, I, I don't know, Sharon, what you think about this as a vet, but, but I think a country that has their breeding establishments legislation 2010 that talks about 300 breeding bitches in one establishment, I don't know how somebody, a country like Ireland, who has that kind of legislation can be regarded as, a, as an animal loving country. It's just not physically possible to look after that amount of dogs. And I know loads of puppy farmers are, are one man operations or one woman operations. Um, and, you know, I personally own eight dogs and sometimes there aren't enough hours in the day to look after the eight of them. So I don't know how anybody can look after 20, 100, 200 breeding bitches. I think the whole thing is ridiculous. Um, so I think we, we need to look at that. It is yeah. really, it's totally ridiculous and totally unfeasible and totally a huge welfare issue and totally concerning that these puppy farmers do work with other professionals, including the veterinary industry, um, that, you know, and still manage to seem to have very low standards. Maybe again, the whole enforcement issue is, is very strong here, but we've just seen you know, very publicly, the the, the news that uh, you know one of at least one of the 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 very bad um, sites is is on its way out, but you know there are plenty more, and it is a supply chain uh, fed business, and if you tighten up the regulations on the supply chain, as in our legislation that we're looking to change isn't just changing the penalty, it's to change the microchip act, and if everyone has to be microchipped and registered before they're sold officially registered the accountability is much tighter it, it, it then actually purely truly records how many puppies you're breeding how many dogs you've got registered and it's much easier then for the system to monitor and um, reduce their activities um, you know these big puppy farms are all linked to large gangs who are you know, selling puppies abroad, and and you know the the, the chain is a is a it's a big business. Um, it's it's a question of making sure that it's uh, it's resolved in the right way because we'd love to think that you know somebody does a crime and you know the guarder or the police should storm in there and say you've got a stolen dog and you know this is your punishment and you go to court and you get the punishment and da When it's complicated, you know, crime rings and whatever. It's a lot more complicated than that, and it involves multiple, um, you know, authorities all trying to make sure they get on top of this. Evidently, they are in some cases, but there is a lot of work to go. And the public, uh, again, the public perception and the public information has improved over the last few years, and social media has got a big hand to play in that. People are far more aware now of, of the situation of puppy farming. Um, and as long as we can tighten the chain of, um, you know, accountability, these puppies can't go out and then go out as if, oh, this is a poor little rescued puppy. Can you just give me an adoption fee of 500 quid through my slightly dodgy rescue I've set up in my back garden? Because it's just another way of, of keeping the ring going. <coughs> Genuine public are going, oh, poor little puppy. It looks so poorly. I better take it on and find out, it's you know, it's got and it dies in three days time so you know the pr of the public has to be done effectively the understanding of of the best ways to approach it has to be done effectively and you've got as much to learn by looking at what's been done and hasn't worked to formulate your plans of well you know what maybe we could try this and maybe we could try that and that's kind of like what we're doing with the working groups at the moment 
Well, was there legislation um, introduced in, in Britain in the last few months, Sharon, about advertising um, pops on, on kind of, um, you know, free, free pages and all that? Is there, I, I'm not familiar with it, but I know there was legislation to kind of counteract poppy farming in the UK. Wasn't that, uh, sorry to go across there, wasn't that the uh, law that's known as Lucy's Law? Is it Lucy's Law? Yeah. Lucy's Law. Lucy's Law. There's, there's several laws. You know, there's Lucy's Law. Um, hopefully coming into play is, um, you know, Van's Law. There's lots of laws that are coming about through the public actually finding out what's going on, which is which is a huge step forward. Um, and public strength to support things, which is a huge step forward. Now, the trouble is, it seems to be, and again, another conversation I'm having with the legals um, this week, there is a very fine line of accountability in the adverts and the adverts are still legally um the bias is towards that the person advertising the animal is accountable and not the site carrying the advert however <coughs> excuse me you know the new laws say this this needs to change and it needs to be enforced it's not being enforced if we can get the advertising platforms to buy into the fact that the system will be in place, that they can link up their chip details and it will just run through and run back. It's not a database, it'll be an information highway that we've got these details, this guy's put in this chip number on whatever site and it's you know registered to this address and it'll come up, bing, not that address, or no, this is a cat, not a Cavalier King Charles puppy, then that advert isn't allowed to run. Now, if if it's far better for them as a PR exercise to get on board with this as an option than to refuse it and say we're still going to stand by our rights that it's the uh, you know we're going to put the onus back on the advertiser is responsible. So more than one way to crack a nut. There's legislation. <clears throat> if negotiation doesn't work, we have to push for legislation to come in with the hammer and crack the nut that way. Okay. <laughs> Oh. All right, so I'm, I'm going to start just uh, wrapping up here, uh, just uh, coming towards the end of the show there now. So before I kind of finish up here, I just want to give a quick mention, and uh, actually a pretty big shout out. Uh, last week, Waterford Animal Welfare were involved in the assistance uh, with Gary of recovering six stolen dogs from a van. One of those dogs was actually, it was on the way, I believe, to the ferry. And one of those dogs was only after being stolen was reunited with its owner like literally a few hours later. Um, there was another incident in Limerick a few weeks ago where there was two men stopped on the Dublin Road by Garrison Castle Connell Garda Station, and they came into the Garda Station afterwards with all this fake documentation. But really, when you see this happening, when like they say investigations are ongoing, but like you have stolen dogs in your possession. Why is the fire not being sent to the DPP? Why is there action not being taken on the spot if these dogs are stolen? I think there's two answers from what I've been able to gather. Um, one is, sadly, the slight apathy to this situation. Um, and as much as anything, I found some guards I've spoken to really frustrated that their systems don't link up unless it goes into the serious crime system. Um, you know, and I've seen on a page where there's a dog in Cork 
that's been found and a dog in a Garda station reported in Limerick. And, you know, they only get to, to be linked up through social media pages of people sharing pictures. So, again, working with the guards, they'll feed into this system. Again, it's an information highway. It's not a database. But we will be feeding in a daily report, lost and found, lost and found, lost and found. And it will be much easier for their systems to pick up where there's, you know, duplication, where there's matches. I think the second thing is if the suspect or the potential theft might be linked to the organized gangs, it gets passed to another department and then it yeah. goes quiet and it doesn't necessarily go away. But obviously what is then happening about that isn't public knowledge. So, yeah. you know, and I, you know, that has to be that way. And, 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 you know, that's a, a very sensible approach. So. And I suppose there's a few other cases I just want to mention here. Like we all, I think everyone knows by now the case of Topsy and Tarvey. Uh, everyone knows Tarvey has made a home. Topsy is still missing. So if there's any of our viewers in the UK or around Ireland who spotted anything suspicious, spotted a dog that looks like Tarvey. Tarvey is a spaniel, uh, springer spaniel, I believe. And if anyone Topsy. has seen... Topsy. Topsy. Um, I, I'd have a picture of her to hand. She's a golden cocker spaniel. Um, she's not a young dog, and she's normally got quite sort of a, a lot of hair on her head, but obviously they'll clip that off. They dye them, they spray them, they make them look very different, they give them funny haircuts. They'll do whatever they can to disguise the dog. And let's see, Lisa Davish was in contact with me. Her dog Jack, a little Jack Russell, a very elderly Jack Russell, uh, was stolen seven weeks ago, still hasn't made a home, so hopefully someone has seen something and the final one Karina who was on our show was last week uh she didn't actually mention this last week and I I had wished she she had mentioned it but her dog is actually missing since January since the 21st of January a black German Shepherd mix he was stolen from the home up in County Loud so hopefully again like things like this even social media putting the word out there might help to reunite these dogs with Jonas and okay uh, just to, just to say, Dara, yeah. um, I know criminals will always find a way, but but just to say to people never to leave their dogs tied up anywhere. You know, you, you'll see people kind of running into the shop to yeah. get a pint of milk and tie the dog up outside. Um, and I have a big issue with people leaving dogs in cars. Now, obviously, in summer, that's a welfare issue. But but again, if you're if your dog is sitting in your back in the back seat of your car and you're sitting in a coffee shop for an hour, again, really really dangerous thing to yeah. do. Yeah, even like all they need is all they need is a few minutes. Yeah, and kids walking dogs, quite a few attempts. Um, old ladies and kids that they will, they, you know, they'll hang around the parks. They'll even get their kids to hang around in the parks, looking for opportunities where a kid is with a dog, or maybe a, an older or frailer person is with a dog. And even if that dog's on the lead, they'll go and snatch them. They've had people have leads cut out of their, you know, the, luckily the leads sliced with knives, not the hand, but you know, they, they'll take pretty drastic measures in some cases. So, you know, you don't want to stop people walking their dogs, but you just want to say, you know, maybe if, if your 10 year old normally takes your Jack Russell down the park when he meets his mates, maybe just for now, don't do it or go with him. That's the sort of advice yeah. we need to be getting out there. Just be that bit more mindful. It's not going to happen to everyone. When you take the, the amount of hundreds of thousands of, of pet dogs there are, you know, these numbers are still technically as a percentage very small. But just think how you'd feel if that was your dog, you know, that was your baby that disappeared. You know, you know how heartbroken and you only have to look on the pages, see how many heartbroken people there are out there. 
looking for the dogs, as you say, a week ago, a few weeks ago, a few months ago, in a lot of cases, even a few years ago. But, you know, animals have been reunited six years later, luckily, always because they're chipped. So I still can't emphasize enough, microchip, update your registration details. If your dog isn't, or you're not sure what database they're on, don't know how to update your details, go to Europe.net, which is, you can put your chip number in there. And if your pet's chipped with one of those databases that use Europe.net, then it'll tell you who to go back to to update your details. If you don't know um, uh, who, you know, if, if, you, if you can't get hold of them, say it's today, it's a bank holiday, you can go into Scanner Angel, and Scanner Angel doesn't link to Ireland at the moment, but it links to UK. It will be linking to Ireland hopefully soon as part of our project. You put your register your details there, and anybody that use one of their chip scanners across the UK, it'll show up if that dog's scanned. So those are two websites to go to, Europetnet and Scanner Angel. Um, register your details in Scanner Angel, even if you have never registered the chip, but you've lost your dog and you know its chip number. Go there, put it in, because if that dog is scanned anywhere in the UK by Halo Scanner, and there are thousands of those out there, and they'll soon be out all over Ireland too, that chip number will go bing, bing, your dog. And even if the person doesn't notice it or doesn't record it or hasn't got the time to go away and check it, the information feeds back into the database and goes back to the chip implanter. This dog has been scanned here or here. And then, then that tightens up the whole chain, and that's what we need to see happening. Great, great, great. Absolutely. And okay, so that's all we have time for today. Listen, ladies, uh, Samantha from the Canaan College Dog Training School and Dr. Sharon Alson, uh, the vet who's doing so much work in trying to reform animal legislation in Ireland. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Big Bark. Also, our thanks uh, Kelly for joining us today. Sadly, Kelly had to bow out because her connection just was giving some troubles. Of course, we'll be back next week with our new panel. We're going to be meeting a new dog treat making business from Dublin. They've just recently launched in Ireland. And we're going to be chatting to some of this year's entrants in the nose of Tralee competition. Obviously chatting to the human owners and not the dogs, although that wouldn't be too bad either. And we also have Kieran from Muckmets Ireland back on with her suit. Uh, Kieran was on about six months ago. Uh, to talk about the launch of Muckmets' new website, muckmetsireland.ie. Until then, don't forget to follow us on social media. We are on Facebook, uh, facebook.com forward slash Barkamad Ireland. On Twitter and Instagram, our handle is Barkamad underscore IE. And we'll be on TikTok at some stage later this month. That seems to be where everyone's going these days. And Bart Trump. Bart Trump, he's not going to TikTok. I, I, Trump. No, he won't let <laughs> I'm on BarkinMad.ie and the big Bark.ie online where you can hear this episode in full along with all past episodes of the Big Bark. As always, stay safe and have a Barkin Mad week and thanks to all the journalists.